Jen and I loved moving to California, but moving to California was a disorienting experience for us. Learning something new often requires us to fail because we are learning new habits, building new mental models, building new neuropathways in the brain. These connections are all small subconscious connections that build information and mental maps which form our ingrained responses, our habits. However, when one of the inputs or habits changes, your brain may be rushing down the superhighway on autopilot only to miss the exit. Let me explain. Where I grew up, the ocean was always to the east. And so when we wanted to have a great day at the ocean, we always went east. And it was a part of my ingrained GPS. Mountains this way, ocean that way. Acting like a north star for how I knew where I was. And so when I moved here, so many times, if I didn't plug in my GPS directions, I would get on the highway thinking, hey, I gotta head towards the ocean. And I would get on the 210 headed east. Now, any of you know that never worked. Luckily, it didn't take me long to realize I was completely wrong. I would feel dumb, get off the highway, recalculate, and then move forward. But change takes time. Because it was so ingrained, it was so subconscious, it took me time to unlearn and to relearn. I had to build new models of where the mountains are and where the ocean is. Maybe some of you have experienced this. Have you ever moved somewhere where the mountains weren't just to the north and suddenly you felt disoriented? Or maybe, maybe you're in a season of life right now where you feel disoriented. Something has changed and it completely messed with your mental models, your, your way of doing life. You feel overwhelmed and you want to change, but you don't know where to start. Maybe it was a word you got from a boss or a doctor's diagnosis or something that was revealed and it, and it completely shifted how you think about life. And so this morning, we want to start with a question of how do we change? Does change come by some supernatural mountaintop experience? Or maybe it's by hypnosis. I saw that on a late night TV show once. Let's not go with that. But what part do we play in our change? One area that needs to be stressed when discussing change is the power of habits and the power of simple, small decisions. Great UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden, was famous for how he would welcome new freshman recruits. And he would start off by having them all sit down, and then he would begin to teach them about how to put their socks on. Some of the times the student athletes would get so frustrated. Why are you doing this? They would think. But he was teaching them two important things. First is that he wanted them to be teachable. He wanted them to just see like, I have things to show you. And he wanted them to be open up and to be teachable. But secondly, he was showing them that small things matter big time. All of those small things, even simply how we put our socks on in the morning, matters because if they're not on just right, they'll begin to rub during the game and form a blister and that blister will begin to hurt and will begin to slow down, giving that other person the advantage. Habits matter. They become the building blocks of our life. In sports, practice teaches you how to stand, how to hold the ball, how to jump, how to shoot, and all of those things that these athletes thought they already knew. 
He was breaking them down to the simplest, most basic thing, helping them rethink. Wooden showed them how to improve even the smallest, simplest of things to get an advantage over their opponents. Maybe you've experienced this somewhere in your life. Maybe you've had a coach or maybe it's a, a, a spiritual mentor or maybe it's a, somebody at work who is helping to guide you through the nuances of that new thing that you are trying to do. Training you in the right way, the right way to play, the right way to make that connection on your computer, the right way to do that thing that you're trying to learn, the right way to cook using this new utensil. All of it to get it just right. In the same way, God's word trains us in right living. So you see, we all need someone to show us, to give us new mental models and ways of developing habits in order to grow. We aren't told not just, or we aren't told only what not to do, but what we should be doing as well. And so this morning, we're going to be opening our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here, Paul is talking to Timothy, a young leader in the early church. And Paul even says to Christians to train yourselves in godliness. And so let's read these verses in context and see what God would have us learn this morning. Train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially those who believe. Paul knows that there is, is something good for us as humans to have structure, to train, and to build our bodies. But how much more so? We should take time to build our spiritual lives, to build our hearts, to build our souls on something of greater value. When I go to the gym here in Rancho, I see so many people dedicating hours and hours to their lives to getting into top physical shape. And it's something to admire. It's, it's good to see people dedicated to something good, to something healthy. But Paul's saying, how much more so? Is it exciting to see people taking the time and energy to develop their spiritual health? Something that isn't just temporary, Paul says, but it's for all eternity. I love seeing people in recovery. I love seeing people coming to Bible studies, to life groups, coming here to church, coming and just digging in, whether it's here or another church. I love people taking their heart and their soul seriously to say, I want to cultivate something. I want to grow. I want to learn. You see, the Christian life and Christian growth isn't just about self-discipline, but habits are a powerful part of our change as believers. Author Richard Foster has helped me so much on this point. He's written so many great books, and I just, you should go check out some of his writings. But he says this, and he's talking about about describing a holy life that emphasizes virtue and habits, saying virtue is good habits that we can rely upon to make our life work. Conversely, vice is bad habits that we rely upon to make our life not work, to make it dysfunctional, as we say. And so a holy life is simply a life 
that works. I love that. A holy life is simply a life that works. You see, God is the creator of all things. God knows us. God created everything in life and he's made it to work intricately together. And then he's given us his word as saying, here is a way to make your life work. It's not that God's trying to keep us to missing out on life. God's actually saying, this is the way so that you don't just keep ramming your head against a wall until you give yourself a, a headache or wind up in an addiction. God's saying, this is the way to life and to freedom. You see, our lives are made up of a lot of little habits, routines, and thoughts that shape us in so many ways. Pastor Mike has often said, the gospel isn't earned by hard work, but it isn't opposed to work either. You see, sometimes these little disciplines and little habits take work. You know, where we are going is that we've been talking about procrastination, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines, but sometimes it's the simple, small habits that build up over time. We overestimate what big things do in our life. And sometimes we underestimate what these small things do because all of these vices and virtues impact us far more than we ever realize. You see, we are all creatures of habit. I know I am. In fact, our habits tell more about us than what we say we actually believe. In fact, you can step back and look at a person's habits and you can actually see what they believe by what they do. Philosopher and theologian James K.A. Smith explains, Our wants and our longings and our desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behaviors flow. Our daily habits must be shaped by our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual practices, that recalibrate our hearts to the things that God desires. Prayer, meditation, scripture reading, Praise and other disciplines shape our habits and train our lives for godliness. It's a little complicated what he's saying here, but, but the truth of the matter is he's saying that our habits shape and direct us like banks on a river. The river of our hearts may run high. We, they, they may be guided toward something, but, but the banks help point our hearts in healthy directions so as not to flood and bring destruction. You see, the simple daily habits of, of saying, I'm not going to go there, or I am going to do this thing. The simple choices that we make, whether it's healthy food or healthy spiritual food, make a difference over time. And so where do we see this idea that what we do shapes our hearts and where we invest shape our hearts? Where is that in scripture? Let's look at the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount as recorded in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21 and 24. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That line is so powerful and poignant. I love it. But he goes on. Let's skip ahead to verse 24. And Jesus says this. For no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
Jesus is specifically talking about money here, but it can be said about our habits too. You see, we are always moving. We are always in the moving in the direction of something. We are always moving in the direction of what we love. And our habits are the banks of the river that guide us. And this passage comes in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about giving. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about fasting. He's talking about not worrying. He's talking about the many habits that shape us on a daily basis. And then he says, your treasure forms your heart. And your heart forms your habit. And vice versa. Your habits form your heart. And your heart forms where your treasure is. And so our hearts are formed by our habits. And our habits are formed by our hearts. And this is a circular thing. But that that circle doesn't just stop. That circle becomes a spiral that turns upwards towards the grand staircase of growth. Or it becomes a spiral that spins downwardly towards destruction, addiction, and sin. Until we ultimately love one of two masters. That's what the scriptures are pointing us to. It's speaking a truth that rings true in each one of our lives. And that's why the Hebrew scriptures say in Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 6, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. I keep coming back to this verse over and over and over again in my life. Love the Lord your God with all of your strength, with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And I would add with all of our habits, those simple daily things that we do, I want to examine them. I want to lay them before the Lord. I want to invite Him into those areas of my life. Because we all know this to be true by what we see around us each and every day. Think of someone who is talented in an area of life. Maybe it's the athlete who can catch a ball one-handed or a musician who seems to play an instrument like it is an extension of their body. Is it just natural talent or is that habit or is there a habit behind their success? The constant practicing of a catch that took hours and hours of repeating or maybe it's the hours and hours that go into the scales on the instrument that show the power of a habit. Famous musician and cello player Yo-Yo Ma says that he still practices three to six hours every day. Wow! That's amazing. Yes, after a lifetime on the concert stage, even Yo-Yo Ma still needs to practice. Ma lives by Malcolm Gladwell's theory that in order to become a pro at anything, you need to put in 10,000 hours of practice. He now estimates that he has practiced for 10,000 hours every five years, meaning that he has spent at least 50,000 hours playing only his signature work, the Bach Cello Suites. You see, music and practice became a way of life for Yo-Yo Ma. Musicians have a way of music to feel effortless, like an art that just flows out of the soul and into the beautiful night air. Aristotle has a saying, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. You see, habits that we cultivate 
cultivate spiritual formation and bring about change. And they don't generally do that overnight or change us into a completely different person. But over time, our habits become second nature. And we begin to see that change in our lives from the inside out, just beginning to flow out of us, flow out of our habits, flow out of what our hearts begin to desire. It's that circular growth. You see, Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he's not saying that these are good things to do to be more religious. No, Paul is speaking from personal experience. Paul knew what it was to be religious by habit and to allow that to lead you down the wrong path. But then, but then Saul, who became Paul, encountered the living God on the road to Damascus. And then he set out to change his life and his habits by surrounding himself with Ananias and the believers at Damascus and then Jerusalem. And you can hear more about his story in Acts chapter 9. But Paul knew what spiritual transformation was about from firsthand personal experience. And this is what he is passing on to Timothy. And he's saying, this is of eternal value for you, for me, for us. This is his quote. He says, this is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all. I love that. There's something beautiful here that, that Paul is urging Timothy in each one of us. And so let's wrap our, our hearts and our minds around that this morning. And as we do, let's wrap up with a challenge, a question, and a story. And my challenge is this. Spiritual practices are the means by which we grow. You see, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to In-N-Out makes you a hamburger. But it is a really good place to go if you're hungry, especially those animal-style fries and the double-double. Mm, I could go for one of those right now. But even more so, going to church is a good place to go if you're hungry. You aren't earning your salvation, and so you should never be forced to go, but we should all want to go because we're hungry, because we're broken, because we know that just simply being in this place cultivates something beautiful. And I'm hungry. And spiritual disciplines are the place of making the food and preparing the plate right before us and saying, God, I invite you to this meal. I invite you to, to take this prayer time. I invite you to take this scripture reading. I invite you to meet me in church. God, would you meet me here? I've, I'm setting the table. I'm setting aside time. I'm creating habits. Would you encounter me here? It's the window through which we see Jesus. And so my question to you is, let's examine our habits this morning and say, what are we putting on our plates? Is it the fruit of the Spirit or is it junk food? What are the things that I'm choosing to do? Is it love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control that we're, that we're gaining through the fruits and the veggies of the Spirit, through God working in our lives? Are we stuck on milk or are we moving to solid food and allowing God to shape us through our simple, small habits? and daily choices. We all have a choice as to what we put into our bodies. That doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes and that I don't occasionally eat some junk food, 
But on the macro scale, what am I eating? Am I eating mostly junk food? Or am I eating mostly really good things with occasional desserts? What we put in our minds shapes the way we think. What we read, what we watch, what I look at on social media and YouTube and all of those things begin to shape what my heart desires. Ultimately, what we feed our souls is what begins to come out. So let's be the kind of people who thrive and grow on healthy food that is of eternal value. That's what I want to do in my life. So I want to begin to examine my life this morning. And so let me ask a couple of questions. And first is this. I want to invite us to ask and to sit with God this morning and say, what is one habit or vice that I want to cut out and replace this week? What's one simple thing, one habit that I can just cut out this week and say, you know what, that one's just not very healthy or good for me. That's a little bit too much junk food. I wanna, I wanna cut that out. And then I wanna replace it. And what is one virtue or one habit that, that I wanna replace it with something good? Maybe it's first thing in the morning, before I get on social media, I open my Bible. That's just one habit. Before I start to worry, let me stop and pray. Before I pick up my phone to complain to somebody else, what's one thing that I want to do to know that God is here walking with me? You see, we aren't, if we aren't intentional, every vacuum in our life will be filled with something. And so if we cut something out, something else is gonna fill that. So let's pick one thing to cut out and one thing to add that's going to be healthy. Let's make that something that enriches us and then begins to enrich others and our community, our home, our workplace, all around us. Let me share a story as we close. There's this story about Nike. And when they were still a new company, they asked, uh, Phil Knight was asked to come and to come and describe what was Nike all about. And so he's speaking to this large audience and he, he says, uh, I wanna ask you a question. If you have ever run in your life, stand up. Everybody stands up. And then he says, stay standing if you like to run. And about half the people sat down. And then he said, stay standing if you have run this last week. Okay, bunch more people stay, sat down. And then he said, stay standing if you are dedicated to running and you do it every chance you get. By this point, there were only a few people standing. And then he looked at them and he said this, when you get up before the crack of dawn and it's cold and it's raining and you don't want to go, but out of sheer habit and determination, you set out for that run. And as you run, you're coming to a place and, and you're coming and you see out in the distance, you see somebody under a lamppost with an umbrella, just simply cheering you on. He said, that's Nike. That's us. That's who we want to be. We're not just a company. We're not just a shoe brand. We are the ones who are cheering you on. And he said, Nike is not just about those who succeed 
but about those who by sheer habit just do it. I love that image. It's not about those who succeed, but by those who put, them in a, put themselves in a place by sheer habit to just do it. And the more I sat back, the more I said, that's beautiful. That's a picture of the church. And aside from all the rhetoric and good advertising by Nike, that's what the church is meant to be. We are a group of people who are standing on the sidelines saying, you can do it. We are here to support you. We are here to pray for you. We are here. Obviously, you're the one who's putting in the effort. You're the one who's, who's doing things, but we are the ones saying, you got this. God sees you. He's encouraging you. He's uplifting you. And when you fall, we are there to lift you up, brush you off, and to run with you. Let's do this spiritual journey together. God is up to something beautiful in our world. God is up to something beautiful in our community. And I, I believe that God wants to do something in each one of our lives if we will just begin to examine our habits and say, God, what are the ones that are seem to be getting in the way? And what are those new things that you want to add to our life that help it to work the way that you designed it? And I admit, there are a lot of things in my life that simple, small things that God wants to begin to weed out, to pull out, so that we can be a people that stand on the sidelines and cheer each other on, whether it's in our life group or whether it's here on Sunday mornings or at a prayer time, but we're the people saying, you got this, let's keep going. And if you are hurting and broken this morning, welcome to a place that says we can do life together. You were never meant to do this life alone. That is the power and beauty of the church, and that's what God wants to do in each one of our lives, so that when we go out back out into the world, we can better reflect God and His grace in our family, at work, at our schools, at our grocery stores, wherever we go. We get to then be the people under the streetlight with the umbrella saying, we are here for you. That's who we want to be. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for this morning. God, I thank you for these encouraging words from Paul to Timothy that speak to us this morning about the power of training our hearts for your kingdom purposes. God, I pray this morning that you would begin to show us ways in which we can lay our habits down and we can begin to bring our lives into alignment to you this morning. God, give us the courage to just pick one thing this morning where you can transform us from the inside out, where our habits begin to shape our hearts for your kingdom purpose. And that we as a church, we as people in the sound of my voice this morning can be a people that say, we want to do it together. Let's be a community of grace, full of your love and truth, bringing about hope and healing in our world. God, thank you for your work in our lives, and may we carry that into this week. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being here with us this morning. We love you so much, and we hope that you are here again next week. But until that time, may God bless you, may God keep you, may God make his face to shine upon you and give you his peace. 
And may you go this week walking in confidence, forming one new habit that will take you into his strength. Have a great week.